Amen. 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 Awesome. If I have not had the chance to meet you yet or introduce myself to you, my name is Tony, and um, I have been just been so honored and privileged to step into this specific uh, church community just five months ago. I think it's going to be five months pretty soon, and I can't believe it's been five months. That's almost half a year, but um, it's been an absolutely wonderful time uh, halfway through this year uh, being integrated into the spiritual family. And on behalf of my wife and I, I just want to say thank you guys for receiving us. Thank you for loving us. Um, I had no idea that by December I'd be up here sharing. But I thank the Lord for what he's doing. And I'm just so grateful specifically to be serving with the youth. Shout out to all the youth that are here today. Um, It's been an awesome ride just seeing what God is already doing and stirring in such a short amount of time. And it gets me excited about what he's going to do this coming year. And so I just want to start with that. And I want to transition now into resuming the book of Acts. So if you've been with us prior to Christmas, um, as a church, we're going through the book of Acts. And if you can recall, the book of Acts is a transitional book. It's a transitional book that transitions us from the life that Jesus lived, as Luke actually authored a gospel and the rest of the gospel writers. They talk about the life that Jesus lived. This Christmas, we celebrated the fact that Jesus came to earth to be with us. That one of the consolations of Christmas is that, that Jesus didn't just sit on high in his throne. He actually came down and said, I want to be with you and I want to prove that. He came to be with us so that we may be with him. And so the rest of the Gospels not just highlight what we discussed during Christmas time, it also highlights the life that Jesus lived, that Jesus lived on earth for 33 years. And he taught us this, he taught us what it's like to have right relationship intimate relationship with the Father. And he modeled that for us in Luke, even as he authored his own gospel, the gospel of Luke. He shows us that time and time again that Jesus was healing the sick. He came to raise the dead. He came to heal the blind. He came to feed people and meet people's needs in a variety of ways. And then he died. He died for the sins of the world so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life in and through him. And he rose from the dead, and then he commissioned his disciples. This is in the Gospels again. The Great Commission, right? He told them, guys, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And because of this, therefore, go now and make disciples. This authority that I possess, I give to you to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to teach them all the things that I have taught you. And be sure of this. I will be with you. And Luke ends this book like the other gospel writers in that way. And the book of Acts is a transition from that. It's a transition from the life that Jesus lived, his ascension, his commissioning of the disciples, and now to the beginning of the church age. The book of Acts begins with the disciples gathering in the upper room, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1-8, Jesus actually shows up in Acts. People we forget that, right? He, just, he wasn't just in the Gospels. He actually tangibly appeared to the disciples time and time again. And he tells them, go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What I love about that promise is that in Acts, we actually get to see that. We see the Gospel be decentralized from Jerusalem where it started into Judea, into Samaria, and it's making its way to the end of the earth. 
And so the book of Acts is a book of transition. It's a major transition from Jesus to the disciples, the apostles, the church age. But I think one of the things that I've noticed and in the passage that we're going to look at today is that the book of Acts, there's another theme in the book of Acts. And it's the theme of transformation. Transformation. And that's what I want to zone in on today. And I want to argue and persuade you that one of the biggest things that God wants for our life is transformation. I want to talk to you today. My message title is this, The Goal of Transformation. I think a lot of times we just assume maybe that people understand, right, what transformation is or what it is that God wants transformation for our lives. I think one of the things that early as a believer, it was just kind of like the pastor said that, so it must be true, right? But there's, there's actually a reason. God doesn't just want to transform us for transformation's sake. I love that about God. That it's not just, I want you to do this because I said so. No, I think that in the scriptures, God gives us reasons as to why he desires certain things for our lives. And before we talk about transformation, I just want to define it. And I find it so interesting the way that we define it in our English dictionary. Transformation, one of the many definitions that you can find is this. The act or process of transforming. I love that the act was on there because we're reading Acts. The act or process of transforming, change in form, appearance, nature, or character, or alteration. I love this, how it ends, especially a radical one. I think Acts is about transformation. I think it's, it's, it's a series of acts of God transforming, not just the church corporately but people individually and I love how it ends especially a radical one right one of the things that we're going to begin to look at today with Peter is that Peter experienced radical transformation in his life and so I want to jump in because the last time we were in Acts we talked about Saul who would later become Paul and he's another one of those characters in the book of Acts who experiences this radical transformation and almost like a, like a film like director, Luke just changes scenes completely, right? It's like Saul has this crazy encounter with God. He sees light. He's blinded. He's taken to Ananias. Ananias prays for him. He's healed. He's restored. And almost immediately, you begin to see the fruit of Saul's transformation. He begins to preach the gospel, right, boldly, which is one of those early, I think, as a believer, that one of the early things that we experience when God transforms our lives is this passion for the gospel that saved us, a passion for the gospel that was preached to us. And you see that in Saul's life. And although many people come to believe almost immediately, a lot of people also reject them. And I love uh, uh, Luke because he just like leaves us in a cliffhanger and he jumps into the scene. And today we're going to be in Acts 9 and we're picking up from this cliffhanger, and now we're going to the life of Peter. So if you have your Bibles, go to Acts 9, verse 32. We're not going to read a long passage today, but it is, I think, a powerful one. The Bible says this in Acts 9, 32. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. 
immediately Aeneas got up. And all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which in Greek her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor, the Bible tells us. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, right where he just was when he healed that paralyzed man, they sent two men to him and urged them, please come at once. Verse 39, Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, and all the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. And so Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed, and turning to the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. We're almost done. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Kind of like a random fact right at the end, but it's important, I promise. I want to talk to you today about the goal of transformation. And I, I, I just argued that I believe that the most important, I think, thing that God wants for our lives this coming year is for us to set a goal for transformation. And here, let me tell you why, because I started thinking about this, and I'm like, wait, Tony, do you believe this? Do you really believe that God's greatest goal for your life is transformation? And I started to think, well, isn't, isn't the most important commandment to love God and love people? But and then I started thinking, well, how much can I love God and love people if I'm not transformed? If you sum up, the Bible says the law and the prophets, Jesus said, you can sum it up in that way. Love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And love people as yourself. But in order for us to grow in loving God and loving people, the path there is transformation. And then I started thinking, well, I've heard people say it's, you know, life is about the glory of God. But then I started thinking, how much glory can I bring to God unless I'm transformed? How much glory can I bring to him at the end of my life if I did not experience transformation? I think transformation leads to those two things. Transformation leads to loving God more with all of our soul, with all our mind, with all of our strength. And it leads to this, I believe, it leads to loving people better. I want to argue that I think sometimes the reason we struggle to love people is not because you don't have enough strength. It's not because you don't have enough discipline. I think it's this. I think it's because we need to allow God to transform us more. In doing so, we will be able to love people the way God wants us to love them. We will be able to glorify the Lord the way that he is worthy to be glorified through our lives. But I think there's more. And I think I, today I want to explain why. Why transformation is a worthy goal. Why transformation it is something that we should be striving for in the coming year. And I want to say this. Number one, transformation leads 
to greater confidence in the Lord. I want to go back to the scripture in verse 32. It says this, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your mat, and immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. I think the first thing that stood out to me was Peter, right? The first two words of this passage is then Peter. And I started thinking about Peter. And I look at these two stories and I, 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 when I think about Peter, I, I would say there's no one in the Bible that gives me more hope than Peter. Before Peter was Peter and experienced things like we just read, which you look at it and you're just like, oh my gosh, this brother's like back to back, you know what I'm saying? Like back to back miracles. Like it's just crazy like to think that a human being made in the image of God was being used to perform such things. But when I think about Peter, I think to comfort myself, I think about Peter when Peter was Simon, right? How many of us know that this Peter we just read about wasn't always Peter, his name was actually Simon. And what I, what I noticed about Peter in this case, is that Peter, I think, is transformed into a place where I see a confident Peter. If we look at these two stories, we look at the way that Peter is just navigating situation after situation. And there seems to be that there's this confidence that's being exuded. That Peter had a sense of direction. Peter had a sense of where he was going. Peter had a sense of the spiritual reality of the moments that he was facing, so much so that God would grant him the ability and the power to be able to pray for someone and they would be healed immediately. But I, I want to rewind for a little bit and I want to talk about Simon. Because in order to understand Peter's transformation, we have to go back to where Peter was first transformed, and I think when I look at this text, one of the things that I saw was that, man, Peter was so much different back then. I want to give you some examples, if you can recall this earlier in the Gospels, that I think Simon was different from Peter in that Simon wasn't as calculated. Simon wasn't as much in the know-how. Simon was hasty. Simon was a man that moved without careful thought, and I think it's what we call, he was a self-centered man. Do you guys remember when he was quick to step out on the water? Jesus appears to the disciples there in a storm, and Peter, I'm oh, sorry, Simon, Simon just, just throws himself and says, I'll go, Lord, and he walks, but he was quick to get on the water, but he was also quick to drown. About the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember when Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his core three, he took them up on a mountain, and all of a sudden Jesus is transfigured before them. And you see Elijah and Moses show up, which is so wild. And Simon, the Bible literally says they, they, they just blurted out things because they did not know what to say. They say, why don't we make you guys three tents? One here, one for you, one for you, Jesus, and one for you. We'll put some, 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 uh, some napkins for you, some tissues. We got you set. We're going to set up a hotel-style thing for all of us, and we can all just hang out. The Bible tells us that they said that because they, they, they didn't even know how to react. He spoke without thinking. 
He was quick to speak, but when it mattered the most, he denied Jesus three times. He was quick to act when Jesus was being arrested. There was a servant that came with these these religious leaders to come and apprehend Jesus. What does he do? He pulls out his knife and he cuts a dude's ear. Like how fast did he process the consequences of that? I don't think he did. I think he just went for it and he cut that guy's ear off. He was quick to act, quick to speak. But he was also quick not to take responsibility. And when Jesus was arrested, he fled like the rest of the 12. But this isn't the Peter we see in Acts. In Acts, we see a Peter, I think, with a humble confidence. He, was, he used to have a confidence, but it was a, a confidence in himself And he shifted and he was transformed into a confidence in the Lord. Aeneas, Peter said, Jesus Christ heals you. What does confidence in the Lord look like? Stewarding opportunities, knowing that God is with you, that God is in control, and that God will honor your obedience. I love Peter's word choice. Jesus Christ heals you. Peter acknowledges that the work that he's about to do is not in his name. It's in Jesus' name. He starts with the words, Jesus Christ. Peter now understands that his priorities do not come from him. His priorities come from Jesus. That he is acting according to God's will. He is acting according and living under the name of Jesus Christ. His ministry is not based on his gifting. His ministry is not based on his influence. His ministry is not based on his ability to make quick decisions. His ministry is based under his submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that he heals the man. And the Bible tells us this man who had been paralyzed for eight years responded to the name of Jesus Christ and he got up immediately. The first goal of transformation is this, is that God's goal of transformation is moving us from us to him, from you to him. The question I want to ask is this, Where is your confidence in today? That I think that every 365 days, I think one of the biggest shifts God wants to do in our lives is to shift us from us to him. That every single year from our lives, we experience a shift in that area. That whatever it is that we put our confidence in, that we shift the confidence in that thing, in that person, in that situation, in that life stage, to be with God. God wants to get us to the place where our comfort doesn't come from the season that we're in, doesn't come from the things that we own, the things that we possess, or even the dreams that we so desperately want to live. God's goal of transformation, one of the benefits of transformation is that you begin to shift to confidence In the Lord, my question is, where does your confidence come from? And would you be willing, even if it costs you knowing that your confidence in the Lord would grow? I think one of the the tests 
of knowing where our confidence comes from is when God actually takes away the thing that we have confidence in. Would you be willing to allow God to do that knowing that your confidence would shift? Number two is this. I believe that transformation leads to a greater experience and sharing in God's love, power, and glory. When I was reading this, I noticed that a lot of the word choice that Peter used is a word choice that kind of rang a bell in my ear. I'm reading actually the book of Luke right now, which is interesting. And I noticed when I was reading Luke that a lot of the things that Jesus said, Peter almost verbatim said it in these two passages. I love even the beginning, verse 32, as Peter traveled. One of the things that we see in Jesus' life is that he was constantly traveling from place to place. And he, wants to go, he goes to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda, and there he found this man. And he tells him this. I, I love this specifically when he proclaims this prayer of healing, this declaration. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Where have we heard this before? Remember Jesus at the pool? And there's this man who is paralyzed, and he's been paralyzed for years, just as this man was paralyzed. And he tells him the same thing. He tells him, get up and roll up your mat. And immediately that man got up and got healed. Immediately Aeneas got up and was healed. And I even love this, the second story, that Peter gets an opportunity to pray for a woman who is dead. And we're gonna, I'm going to dive into that a little bit later more, but for now, I just want to highlight the fact that Peter also had a word choice that was similar to Jesus. That there was a little girl that Jesus healed that one day he said, Talitha kum, little girl, get up. And this girl got up. And you see Peter here speak to this, uh, this, this disciple named Tabitha, this woman who was dead. And he tells her, Tabitha, she was always doing good and helping the poor. And about that time, she became sick and died. They urged them to please come at once. And Jesus shows up on the scene. Sorry, Peter shows up on the scene. And he says this, Tabitha, get up. And the Bible says she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she got up. I think that one of the greatest contexts for us to be able to be transformed and experience and share the love, the power, and, the, and the, the, the power and the anointing that God has for our lives is ministry. We pay attention to these two passages. What we're seeing is that Peter is actually in ministry. He is doing ministry in these people as he's praying for this paralyzed man, as he's praying for this dead woman, and even ministering to these widows and encouraging them with what God just did. And what I love about ministry is that, I would say that one of my favorite things about ministry is that it's that it's an invitation from Jesus to share and be transformed so that you can experience the love and the power and behold the glory of God as you serve. I told the Lord when I came to South Point, I said, God, before this gets going, I think one of the things that I first want to have, God, before you begin to move, before you begin to, is God, I want to have a heart that feels what you feel for these students. I want a heart that breaks the way your heart breaks when I'm interacting with these students. And one of the opportunities almost immediately that the Lord gave me was the ability to go to high schools throughout the week. So every week from this semester since I've been here, God's graced me with an opportunity to partner with a nonprofit. And one of the things that we do is we're at high schools during lunchtime, and it's somehow legal, and I think it's amazing that God would open that door. 
And we spend time with students, and man, the, the stories I hear, the things that they are going through as they're trying to graduate high school, the, 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 the loss, the, the sickness, the, the things that are happening, God allows me to be in a space and a place near enough to them where I can hear these stories and share the love that God has for these students. Experience the way that God's heart breaks for some of the things that these students are going through. I believe this, that transformation, it leads to a greater experience of God's love, power, and glory when we step into the things that God invites us to. Peter was being invited. This transformed Peter was graced to step into an environment where he experienced the love of God. And I love the details that Luke gives us because it infers that there was some inquisition happening. There was some inquiring that was happening. There was questions. How would they find out that this man had been laying down for eight years, unable to walk? How would they have found out, right, these widows are talking to Peter and letting him know the story of this woman who was a woman who would make robes. It was a woman who would serve the poor. It was a woman that God's desire for us in getting involved in the path of transformation that we experience through ministry is that we would experience his love for humanity. I actually think it's really hard, sorry, hard to have the love of God in our hearts if we are not partnering with him in ministry. It's so easy to read about the way that Peter was ministering and Paul was ministering and these people in the Bible are ministering, but it could be this year that one of the greatest calls that God's going to call you is the call to be transformed, to experience his love in the context of ministry. That ministry is about stepping into the heart of God, stepping into the things that he sees that we do not see when we're not being transformed into service. I'll never forget, quick story, the first time that I prayed for somebody and they got healed. We both freaked out. I wasn't like, man, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. No, it actually freaked me out. I was in an elevator. I was part of a college ministry at a church early on in my faith, and one of my jobs that night was for me to uh, go greet people at the very front door. Students would come into our lobby, go up the elevator, and then go to a designated space where we would have our college ministry. And as me and this other host um, were coming down the elevator to go be greeters for the night, there was a man that came, that came down with us, and he started rotating his arm. And he was, like, grimacing. And I'm just, like, standing on the elevator, and I'm looking at this guy, like, what's going on? And I, I feel the Lord. I feel compelled. And I feel like God was telling me, pray for this man. I had never done something like this in my life. And so normally I was just like, I don't know if I want to do this. But I felt that nudge. I felt that compelling. Maybe you can relate where your ears get red. And you start to shake. And it's almost like I'm about to be disobedient in about a minute. This elevator is going to go down. And it's not going to happen. I better speak up. So I asked the guy, dude, what's going on? What's up with your shoulder? And he's like, man, I, I've had pain for months, man. It's been like eight months. Like this shoulder, I've been to doctors, all this stuff. And it, it just won't go away. And I just, man, I don't have much time. Can I pray for you? He's like, yeah, man. We get down the elevator. We get out into the lobby. And I told my fellow leaders, she's like, yeah, all right, let's go for it. 
And I pray a prayer, and all of a sudden, he's just like, man, thanks, man. Like, that feels better. And I think it's always weird when you pray for people, because I'm like, did you say that? Just to, like, make me feel better, like something happened? And, and so I was just like, you know what? Cool, man. Like, awesome. But I, I wasn't certain that the man got healed until I, I walked away, and he left. And we went to greet, and we go up after about 20 minutes of serving outside. We go upstairs, and my college pastor he almost comes, I saw him across the room, I came down, we were like coming in, and he's just walking straight toward me past all these students, and he says, hey, did, did you pray for a guy? And I said, yeah, I, I did pray for a guy. He's like, he came up here looking for you, and he's like freaking out. He's like, hey, like, I, this guy, like, he just prayed for me. One of your students just prayed for me. My shoulder, like, it doesn't hurt anymore, and it's weird because it's been hurting for so long, blah, 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 and I was like, Man, that's amazing. Like, praise the Lord. And uh, that was that. A couple days later, I get a call from the church. This church, guys, it, it seats about 12,000 people on a weekend. I get a call from someone up, up there, and, and I don't even know who it was. And he's like, hey, you're a student. And um, this man called our church and said that there's a kid on the college ministry who prayed for my shoulder, and he's healed. Like, this man's not done telling people. And I'm like, uh, yeah. He's like, hey, we're going to put this on our church bulletin. Can you tell us a story? Like, how did it go? And so I'm on the phone, and I'm telling this story, and God told me this, and I prayed for this man, and he got healed, and all this stuff. And long and behold, I mean, this church, I don't know how many thousands of bulletins come out, and, and people read during a weekend. And when I was thinking about the story, I was thinking about the fact that in both of these miracles, the, the story broke out. People begin to tell people, and people in Joppa and in Sharon believe in the Lord and turn to the Lord. People began to, uh, sorry, heard about this woman, and people in Joppa believed in the Lord. Where am I going with all this? That God had, in my life during those college years, had transformed me into a place where I believe that the call to ministry wasn't just a call to do and to serve. It was a call to experience the power of God. That God, the reason he wants to transform us so bad is because he's lining up experiences for you to step into so that you can see his power do a work first in your life and then through it. I would have never guessed that that little moment would make it to a church bulletin that maybe someone read that stirred faith in them and God. I don't know the ripple effects of that, but I do know this, that God's desire for transformation in my life and yours is so that we can experience the power of God so that we can behold the glory of God as he reaches people. I believe this. God wants to use you in 2024 to lead others from death to life. To pray and see sick people healed. I do believe that today. To disciple other believers and to help them grow in their walk with Jesus. And you know what I love? that almost immediately the people that were impacted weren't people on the outside. The first people that were impacted were people found in the fellowship of believers. My third point is this. Transformation leads to greater fulfillment in Christ as you impact others. This man that was paralyzed, the Bible tells us that he was found in the company of the Lord's people. This woman who was dead, the Bible tells us of her good work. She was actually, a, the Bible says she was a disciple of Jesus. 
She was someone who believed in Jesus, had dedicated her life to God, had passed away, her body was washed. She was as good as dead can be. But God wasn't done with her yet. The first impact that Peter had and the transformation that we see in his life is almost immediately the the transformation that he had was to people closest to him. And isn't that true of our lives that the reason I think God desires so much transformation for us, especially if you're the only believer in the family or maybe one of few, is that your transformation will have an impact immediately on those closest to you. I believe that no one benefits more from our transformation than those that we eat dinner with on a daily basis. Those that we go shopping with, those that we spend Christmas with, those that we're going to eat food with tonight. Shout out to my mom. She was cooking this morning. I'm excited. I believe that the greatest gift that we can give our families, our spouses, our kids is to transform us. A a, a version of us that is more confident in the Lord, a version of us that is experiencing the power, the glory, the love of God so much so that we see a fulfillment in us begin to occur when that transformation impacts those around us. I believe this also for us as a church, a people committed to transformation, a church committed to transformation is a church that the world is in desperate need of. But I also believe this, that transformation is all something that we're most in need of individually. It's a fulfillment that God has for our lives. I read Acts before, and I had not seen this. And I, I want to end with this, and Pastor Brett, if you're coming up at the end, we're going to worship in a moment. And as Pastor Brett comes up, I, I want to share this, that I, I think I find the last verse so striking. Because I think it speaks to a fulfillment that Peter, I want to infer experience. And it says this, the last verse. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. There's actually, as we continue through the book of Acts, there's an importance as to who this tanner is named Simon. But I, I, I want to preface and skim at the very beginning of his introduction. I, I never noticed this before, but... Before I became a youth pastor, I think it was 2021, I was a youth pastor for an internship that I did for seminary prior to God bringing me here. And um, I remember that that summer I was praying and I was asking the Lord, like, man, Lord, like, uh, this is opportunity. And, and God had presented it in a supernatural way through a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. And I was praying, um, God, like, I don't know, it's part-time, it's not going to provide, like, I'm married, like, I should probably, like, be trying to, like, impress my, my wife's dad and, like, save money and do all this stuff, right? Everybody that like, gets married immediately, this guy pressure is, like, real, man. It's like, you got to show up. You got to be that husband right away, right? You got to start providing for your family with no kids. Um, and another opportunity came by and, and uh, it was his friend he did sales for this company and he said hey man like I, I think you'd be good at this and it, it had some sales in it it has some servicing of, of services to clientele that this company had it's a uniform company here in San Diego 
And long story short, he sets me up for this interview. And as I'm going through the interview, I know deep in my heart that this is not what God wants me to do. But it's a thing that I feel that I need to do to be able to share to provide. And I'm like working it out with the Lord where I'm saying, God, I, I will do this and, and I will do the pastor job thing. And I will do it too. And I'll have both jobs and I'll make it work somehow. And I remember going through the interviews and... Um, they did like three or four interviews. They did an offsite interview, which I never had experience where they interview you like in normal clothes and they're in normal clothes and they're just walking around. We're like buying coffee and all this stuff. And I, I Googled after. I was like, why did someone would interview me offsite buying all this stuff? And I learned that it's because they want to see how you relate to clients because that's the real world, not what you show up and present at the interview. And so what they were trying to do is get a gist. And I'm with this guy and all of a sudden he gives me a handshake and he says, man, you're in. The job is yours, blah, 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 blah. Okay, whatever. I take the job. I experience a conviction like I've never experienced before where I, I, I literally, that conviction in the elevator at a different level where I knew that the decision that I was about to make was not the correct decision. It was not the correct choice. And I remember that years before that in 2016, I had made that same decision. I think one of the best ways to find out if you've been transformed is to be tempted in the same way, is to go through something that you've been through before, but you react differently to it. And I remember in 2016, I ended up taking the job and it ended up being this horrible bad thing that didn't turn out well. And now in 2021, faced with the same temptation, a transformed Tony, you would have it, right? God had been working in my life up to that point. I remember it saying, I won't do this again, Lord. And I, I called the guy immediately, and I remember Samantha was, like, in the living room, and I, was, I didn't know how else to tell. I was like, hey, man, this might not make sense to you. God has something else for me. Bye. Boom. That was it. Something to that nature. And I ended up not taking the job, and I, I can honestly say that I don't think I'd be here right now had I taken that job. And you know what God does? Every now and then, I see this uniform company truck, and God allows me to see it. It shows up in the most random places. It, not even it, like it, in, and God just shows me and it says, that would have been your choice. That would have been your decision. What I love about Peter ending up with Simon is that I'm sure when Peter came in, I'm like, that used to be my name. That used to be me, but God transformed me. I'm now more confident in the Lord. I have been transformed to a place where my confidence isn't in me, it's in him. I have been transformed to a place where I've been invited to share with God and his love and his power and his glory. And I have been transformed and I get to enjoy the fulfillment in Christ as I see God impact others through my life. I believe those are the three goals of transformation for our lives this year. That's something that God desires for us as a church, but it's something that God desires for us individually. Why don't we all stand up? I want to pray. As I end, for reals this time. Um, and I want to pray that for us. If we can just close our eyes and bow our heads, I want to, I want to say this um, for two different people in the room. The first person is this person. Maybe you've, you are here, someone invited you, and um, you're hearing about God, you're hearing about the Lord. And you're hearing that God's one greatest desires for our lives is he transforms us. And maybe you've questioned that. And you said, I, I don't want to be a part of uh, religion. I don't want to be a part of what it means to be a Christian. I, I don't want nothing to do with that. But maybe today, God gave you a glimpse 
at this life that he promises. It's a life with him that this isn't religion, this is relationship, that God created you in his image so that you can have relationship with him. And this relationship is established through faith in Jesus. The Jesus that came to earth and who lived and who showed us what it's like to have a loving relationship with the Father and who proclaimed that if we believe in him, we shall not perish but have eternal life, which is eternal relationship with Almighty God. And tonight, or today, sorry, this morning, if, if that's you and you feel God tugging at your heart and you're hearing about transformation, you're hearing about how God wants to transform you from death to life. He wants to transform you so that you can behold his glory so that you can live a life confident not in your circumstances not in the chaos that surrounds you but in the Lord in God you want to live with a certainty that you belong to Jesus that when this life is over you will be with him if that's you today and you want to be saved you want to be transformed from dark to light from death to life you want to give your life to God and begin to follow him that you may experience the same transformation in your life. If that's you, I just want you to, in the quietness of your heart, pray this prayer. Say, dear God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me, who defeated death and rose victoriously to life. I believe today that you have spoken to me, and today I want to respond to you in faith and say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the work that he has done for the forgiveness of my sins and I receive your forgiveness today. Today I open my heart to you and I ask that you would fill me with your, your life, with you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and seal me for redemption, God, that one day I would be with you in eternity. And today, Lord, I declare that you are the Lord of my life and that I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, eyes closed, heads bowed. If you've just prayed that prayer and you have believed in Jesus for eternal life for the first time. And you've given your life to Jesus. And I just want to pray for you. Eyes closed, heads bowed. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? I just want to quickly acknowledge that if that's you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Lord, I pray for these people who raise their hands. God, you know where they're at. And I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that they would know that the prayer that they prayed today, it's a declaration. It's a statement of faith, God, that they said that they believe in you, Jesus. They believe that you are God. You are the sent one who died for their sins so that they would not have to and that they rose from the dead. And today, by praying this prayer, God, they have opened up their hearts to receive your spirit. And I pray you do fill them, God. You do seal them for redemption, God, that they would know, God, that they are saved not because of their works, but because of their faith in the perfect work of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for them in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, for the second person in this room, and that's the person who just desires transformation. And today you have stirred their heart to set aside every goal and say, this is going to be my number one goal this coming year. I want to be transformed so that I can be confident in the Lord 
confident that no matter what valley I walk through, no matter what disease I walk through, no matter what house crisis, no matter what family crisis, no matter what obstacles I walk through, my confidence is in the Lord and the Lord that can heal and the Lord that can restore and the God who can open doors and the God, and the God who can raise a dead woman and bring her back to life. That is the God that we serve. And so, Father, I pray for anyone desiring that transformation, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that they would just pray this prayer in their hearts. Dear God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for reminding me that you are a God of transformation. You are a God who is able to change our nature, change our character to a place, God, where we live in the awe of your glory, your beauty, your power, your love, where you work in us and through us to impact those around us. God, we ask for transformation for the people of South Point. We ask, God, that we would be a family that as we fellowship and as we embrace the, vi- embrace the vision to gather and worship, to connect with others, to reach our community, as we walk through those, those things, God, that you would transform us, that we may experience the things we heard today. I pray, God, that the result of it would be family saved, families transformed, people healed, people restored, doors being opened, and this church being a community that is a light to Chula Vista and beyond. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you, God, for speaking to us this morning. I pray that we would go now into our homes, that you would bless our day, that you would keep us safe, and that you, Lord, would keep reminding us about the goal of transformation. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. Let's worship.